Welcome to Inside Today's Country, the show that gets the real stories from today's country stars, stories you haven't heard anywhere else. Your host is Tim Black. Tim has been on the radio interviewing the biggest stars in the business and discovering new talent for more than 20 years, and now in his very own podcast. Are you ready? Let's go Inside Today's Country. This week on Inside Today's Country, we meet up with Sean Hogan, who has a brand new single out called You Can't Cry, You Can't Laugh. Sean's had an amazing career, both in music and he was in radio. He actually tried to get a radio job in Victoria, B.C. back in the early 90s. But the program director of the radio station told him this. You grew up an hour from Detroit, Michigan. You know a lot about rock and music. And you went back and forth between broadcasting and music. It looks like your resume is like you're ping-ponging between radio stations and music college. Get ready to go Inside Today's Country with Sean Hogan next. Well, welcome to another edition of Inside Today's Country, and it's always a pleasure when I get a chance to catch up with this fellow who uh, is living on Vancouver Island uh, in British Columbia, and uh, a guy who I haven't uh, seen personally probably since uh, the early 2000s. It's Sean Hogan on the podcast. Welcome, my friend, to the show. Thank you so much, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, it's been a, it's been a while. I think we uh, both have more gray hair now. <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh, it's pretty much all great for me, Tim. Oh. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's been for a while, but that's okay. People tell me that that's just fine, so I'm going with it. There you go. Good, good for you. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing too. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. What, it's good they don't say too much more. That's right. What has Sean Hogan been up to for the last while? We haven't really heard from you for for many many years. So let's uh, you know, let's get caught up. What's been going on with you? Oh man, um, you know, I have been living the dream, Tim. Um, it's been an interesting year uh, for all of us, of course. But prior to this current predicament of, you know, the, the pandemic that we have, um, you know, I was out in Ontario in February working on some new music. And the month before that of this year, which feels like 10 years ago now, but it was only January of this year, uh, I released my seventh studio album, uh, which is called Seven Come Eleven, which is uh, aptly named. I mean, the music industry is a little bit of a roll of the dice, and that is a roll of the dice concept, Seven Come Eleven. And so it's got 11 new cuts on my seventh studio album mm-hmm. that came out. I went, I went out to Ontario, started recording a Christmas album in February in late February. I flew from Ontario to Manhattan, shot a music video for a song called she makes me feel in uh, central park and around in around New York city. And, um, yeah, I came back here in March and, you know, I did the hunker down Hogan. I got, I got busy with, just trying to, you know, social distance. Right, right. Now, where did this all start? Where did... I've been busy besides that. I've been doing webcasts. Okay. I rewrote a song that I had written and was a top 10 hit for me 20 years ago, my friend, a song mm. called Dream Vacation. Right. And I rewrote it in April into Dream Staycation. And all of the players, we re-recorded it. So I had my trumpet player in Mexico, my drummer in Los Angeles, bass player in Toronto, keyboard player in Calgary, guitarist, mandolin player in North Vancouver, 
you know, another guitarist in Kitchener. And uh, on it goes, female vocalist out in Kingston, one in Kitchener. And we re-recorded Dream Vacation. It became Dream Staycation as I rewrote some of the verses. And it's a nod to the uh, frontline healthcare workers. Um, and that came out, and that got some airplay on the national what constitutes the national country video network now, I guess. So um, that kind of kept me busy for a while. And I did some webcast shows. It's been, it's been a year, man. Yeah. It's been a year. It has been a year. Um, let's, uh, let's go back. When did uh, Sean Hogan start doing this? Now we're talking about 20 years ago with the song you just rewrote, but when did this all start for you? Um, well, I, I, you know, as a teen in Southern Ontario, in the early 80s, I had a band in high school, and that was my favorite thing out of anything that I had in my life, was drumming and singing and learning my favorite band songs with my buddies in the band, and and uh, I did that. And then when high school ended, I got my diploma, and uh, I decided to go to uh, Fanshawe College in London, and I got into music industry arts, um, recording engineering and music business. I was in my early 20s. And I, I kind of went home for the summers and worked in radio, actually, mm -hmm. uh, at a radio station in my hometown. And then I did a year of that and realized I really wasn't that interested in recording engineering. I was really more interested in the creative end as a singer. People were asking me to sing on their tracks. And I had people like Jack Richardson for a instructor at the time. And... Um, and I wanted to do more music, so I went to Toronto to Humber College, and I studied jazz for a couple of years as a drummer with a vocal minor, and learned all my case signatures. But I still wasn't—I was playing keyboards a little bit, you know, as another instrument. But I didn't play guitar at all to save my life. And it wasn't until 1990, Tim, I moved out to Victoria from Toronto. I left a couple of years of doing jazz college, and I just felt like, you know, as much as I love music and I love jazz, it wasn't wasn't where my heart was wanting me to go. I was still writing lyrics and singing. And mm -hmm. so I came to Victoria and, um, uh, shortly after getting to Victoria, I, I put together a band and, uh, was renting a guitar to learn to, to, you know, muscle memory, learn chords on the guitar and learn how to play guitar and put these lyrics and all the key signatures I'd memorized in Humber, you know, yeah. into use. Yeah. Right. Um, and I was working full-time for an environmental organization called the Western Canada Wilderness Committee, which I did for three-plus years. And then uh, when I stopped working there, I went straight into music, playing pubs and bars. And this was in, like, 90, fall of 93. Right. And I never stopped playing music for a living since. And I started recording my first album in 95, it came out in 96 and it got so much airplay at the time there was this new technology called BDS broadcast data systems and they were testing it out and they said, well, we're going to do a, um, the, the CCMA had decided they were going to launch independent band, independent female vocalist, independent male vocalist, independent song of the year. And it was all going to be based on uh, the top five nominees would be getting broadcast data systems spins, right. but they were going to announce it during CCMA. So I went to Hamilton in 1997 for this awards weekend and found out that I wasn't not only a nominee, but I'd won the first independent male artist of the year based on uh, the previous 13 months airplay. So that was pretty exciting and it portended good things. And, 
I got to work on my second album and, and that came out and got some hits on the radio for me and lots of videos on CMT and, you know, third album, I won my second CCMA for Roots Artist of the Year because I guess I was a little left of center, really. I probably always have been. Um, you know, and then I did this album called Catalina Sunrise, and yep. that was the title track, and Cowboy's Heart was on that, and uh, a few other cuts that got some great airplay. Uh, of course, I'd Rather Have You was on late last night. And... Um, and then I did my fifth album and my sixth album. <laughs> you know, it's been, but it was around, it was nine years ago this month that I started into um, treatment for stage four cancer. That's right. Uh, I recorded my sixth album and I was feeling rather ill all the time and coming down with various problems from strep throat to um, tonsillitis. Mm-hmm. And I found out that, you know, the antibiotics I was taking was, it would get rid of the tonsillitis, but then a couple months later I got it again and they just looked at me and thought, that's weird, gave me more antibiotics. What had happened was that my right tonsil had gone cancerous oh, and, wow. um, and um, it, it spread through my skeletal muscle into my lymph nodes and uh, on my neck. Mm-hmm. And so I had a big walnut shape under my neck and I was on the road playing bars and, you know, um, working on the sixth album this is 2010 into early 2011 it was down in california did a video for travel plans that was a top 40 hit had amber marshall from heartland in the video but i was feeling you know was starting to feel tired and i couldn't figure out why and um and uh then i was on the road in the summer of 2011 i started getting night sweats and and this lump wasn't getting smaller. And I, my doctor had said he just thought it was because I'd had tonsillitis and it was just a little bit, you know, inflamed. And uh-huh. But it got pretty bad. And I'll tell people out there that, you know, you get to the point where you're drenching three T-shirts a night in just night sweats. You know you're sick with something. Right. And I and then I went back to my doctor and he said, well, I should send you to a specialist. And I said, I, you know, I'm glad to hear that. And the specialist looked at me and he said, man, I don't know why you didn't get here sooner about your doctor there. I don't know about him, but, um, so they staged me, they did PET scan and I had, it was pretty much all up on the right side of my neck and in my mouth and the, and the tonsil looked like a big crazy fern at this point. Wow. Um, but, uh, they took out my tonsils and they, uh, <clears throat> they gave me the most radiation they can give somebody 35 rounds of radiation, you know, six days a week for six weeks straight, twice on Thursdays, right? And um, some chemo, and and here I am, my friend. Nine nine years later, I've I've been pretty well. Knock on wood. I I you know uh, still doing the music. I I got back to playing clubs every week. I was on the road more weeks out of every month in the last several years. And then in 2018. I was on the road on my Christmas tour and I got an email from a group out of Washington, D.C., an agency called Sound Exchange. And they said, you must have had a good year because you're in our top 20 of brand new earners with Sound Exchange getting the most airplay on satellite radio, Sirius XM. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't even aware of all that airplay, but um, I was number 18 in their top 20 of 2018. Wow. Uh, and that was really kind of wild because there I was 53 and I'm a breakout artist Tim. I'm breaking out 
Well, congratulations on on a couple of fronts. Number one, uh, yeah. congratulations for beating cancer. I mean that uh, that my friend is uh, is a is a feat in itself, and uh, and uh, you know that's that's something I I didn't realize how how bad it had gotten. I know you had had it and and uh, had gone through treatment, but man, that's that's scary as all heck. And then uh, congratulations for being fifty three and being a breakout artist. I mean, uh, well done. Well, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> it was a uh, it was a very pleasant surprise, and I'm just. I am very grateful, and I try to remind myself all the time, you know, I mean, my life could have gone a lot of ways, and mm-hmm. um, I've done all right uh, the way it's gone, and I'm um, I'm humbled by the fact that I can still create some music, and I enjoy singing very much and playing shows uh, and connecting with people, and, yeah. you know, I think I enjoy just as much as I did when I was uh, in my teens, so... Right, and let's go back to uh, the... Uh, not a bad thing, right? <laughs> Let's go back to the uh, the early '90s in Victoria because country was. I mean, I lived uh, in Victoria in the early '90s, obviously, uh, and country wasn't big in in that city. Uh, no. So how you know how did uh, a guy like yourself uh, you know start making it through you know through clubs and pubs and so yeah. forth on, well, on the island? It was, um, you know, it was honestly in the late '80s. When I was at Humber, mm-hmm. I had a roommate turn me on to John Hyatt and Lyle Lovett. Okay. And I discovered Steve Earle. Yeah. And I, but I, when I was working in radio in the summer of 86 and 87, I was playing these new artists like Randy Travis and Steve Earle and Dwight Yoakam yeah. in 86 and 87. They were still relatively new. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought to myself, honestly, I thought, well, you know, something about this I really like. I like the vocals. I like the authenticity of the lyrics. I love the instrumentation. I feel a little young for this music. I remember thinking that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like it. And I went on to study jazz, and as much as I like jazz, I was really digging the storytelling and the music of Lyle Lovett and John Hyatt, and I would be taking that subway around. I didn't have a car until I was 26. I was, you know, and I was a drummer. I'm always getting someone else to help me out with my drums, right? But um, I had my Walkman glued to my head, and I was listening to these guys on cassettes, and and it was like, uh, you know, I just really resonated with their music, and I had to do that. I didn't know how to get there. You know, there's a highway when you're driving in the lower mainland of BC mm-hmm. and you're, you can see highway number one, the trans Canada from highway 10 yes. and you're driving parallel to it for a long time. And it's like, how do you get over onto that? <laughs> how do you yep. get there? Been there. Get... I know that highway. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, um, and that's, that's a really good metaphor for how I felt in my life. It was like, I can sing and I think I can write songs right. and how do you get over there? So when I got to Victoria, I was actually, you know, at the time I was in my early twenties. My, yep. my heart was broken. I was out of a relationship that, you know, I was a musician. It wasn't good enough for her. Yeah. She was university stuff. Her friends had university boyfriends who were going to do university post-graduation things. And I just wanted to study music. You know, yeah. and that and a cup of coffee will get you a big dream. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> uh, it's kind of like, so when I got to Victoria, and even when I was leaving for Victoria, because I'd only been there in the summer of 89 okay. as a visit. Yeah, that was my grad year. 
Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I got there and I, I thought I'm going to go into broadcasting because music is just going to, right. You know, this is not going to work for me. I, I don't think I, I, I don't want to go through this again mm-hmm. where you, you got something really good and you lose it all because of music. And, but I had a, and this is everything I'm telling you obviously is true, but I can remember some of these things so graphically. I had a, an interview with, uh, the Q 100.3 FM in Victoria yep. with John Shields and for a job. And he's yep. looking at my resume. He's like, Sean, you're going, you know, this is cool. I mean, it looks like, you know, I mean, you're a young guy. You want to work in FM radio. Yeah. You, you grew up an hour from Detroit, Michigan. You know a lot about rock and music. And you went back and forth between broadcasting and music. It looks like your resume is like you're ping-ponging between radio stations and music college. And then you didn't go to radio. You got accepted, but you didn't go to college for radio. You went back to music. And you're sitting here telling me you want a job in radio. And I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, well, well, but, you know, you can't just start working here. you got to work at other stations and stay in touch. And, and he said, are you sure you want to work in radio? And I said, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I'm just going to do music as a hobby. Right. And as I was telling him that, I could feel my stomach nodding up inside. Right. You know, I'm just going to do music as a hobby. It's not real. I was trying to talk myself out of music. Yeah. And as much as I enjoyed radio and a lot of things about radio, I loved music more. So um, I left there. And he said, well, you stay in touch, man. You know, he seemed like a good kid, blah, blah, blah. John Schild was a good guy. Yeah, he was a good guy. Yep. Most recently, so re- most recently retired, actually. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, I can believe it. Yeah. And um, so... I left there and I went, you know, just like, you know, my heart was leading my brain around, you know. So I went and put up a sign at a music store along McQuaid saying, you know, singer, drummer looking for a band. Mm-hmm. And um, I met up with a guy who was out of the Navy, about a year older than me, played bass really well and sang and we started jamming. We had a band Then the female vocalist and the guitar player decided they wanted to do a duet there was more work for them, and I said, "Well, screw that. You know, I'll rent a house, and we can we'll find a guitar player." And so we found a guitar player, and then I would teach the guitar player these songs I was writing because I couldn't play comfortably through the tunes yet on the guitar. But I would show him how the song goes, and then I and the bass player and drummer I would sing. And so I had this trio, and um, and the music was very not straight up country. No, mm-hmm. we were doing like everything from it was very rootsy, but it was like. You know, the covers ranged from Northern Pikes to Robert Palmer to Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, it was like to my originals to John Hyatt. Um, And so it had a lot of electric soul to it. And and really, I did that for a couple of years. Then bass player wanted to get back into the Navy. He was an mm-hmm. aircraft, air traffic controller guy, you know, and I, and I met another guy who was from Kansas City who married a gal from Vancouver. And he was a great guitar player, and we're best of friends. And we put together a duo, and I started playing all the little lounges and pubs with him. Yeah. But I was writing songs on the side, and he was about to get married. His girlfriend's a scientist with the Ministry of Forests in British Columbia. This guy had done a lot. Like he went graduated from Yale, but okay. he was a musician, and wow. that's what he wanted to play was music. He didn't want to study and go to some other job. So, um, 
anyway, you know, we parted ways amicably, and I just kept on having side players play with me and uh, while I was writing, and then I recorded that first album. So it was, it really felt like a natural progression and, you know, transfer between me. You know, it's like your previous job, in, if you're following your heart, I believe that your previous job is always naturally setting you up for your next job. Right. And before I went to college and studied music, what was I doing? I was working in record stores until, you know, whatever. I was 20 and I was like, okay, I got to do something else this summer. <laughs> and I thought, you know, and I got to, and I love music. And I was walking by the radio station. And I thought, I need to go up there and tell him I could work on radio. Right on. And, uh, you know, and I met with the guy and I said, you know, I just did a seminar here in town. I lived in Sarnia with, um, that I'd heard about where the provincial government was going to cover your half of your employer's wages to you. If you found an employer that you wanted to work for. Okay. So I told the radio station, I I've got this set up. If you'll hire me, they'll pay half my wages. And they did. And I was on the air and trying to pronounce Soviet Union names within three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild, man! You have got a, you have an amazing uh, an amazing story, and I didn't I didn't know that you had uh, you know had gone to try to work at the queue with Johnny Shields. Uh, you know, I yeah, yeah. Fun, the funny thing is is wild is because I actually ended up working there uh, from ninety one to almost ninety two. I worked there for for a year doing overnights. So it was my only overnight gig I had ever done. Oh, okay, it. I, cool. I had ever yeah, yeah. I had How did ever you like working there. Uh, it was you know what it was a great uh, it was a great experience. I was young and I didn't yeah. I didn't appreciate what um, they had offered me at that time and and uh, you know the opportunity to learn and so forth like that. So yeah. uh, so for me I, I I if I could do it again I I would. It was a really really cool opportunity and it was my first sure. intro- introduction into into rock music. I had done you know other formats and stuff like that. Um, okay. But what a great building and a, and a and a really really nice guy to work for. Uh, Johnny, yeah. def- Johnny definitely did things his own way, and uh, and there's some know. Real, and, and there's and, some you know, great the, broadcasters that have come out of him. You know? Oh yeah, no, it's true. And I remember just uh, it's it's funny because what goes around comes around. So I, so that was my one and only experience meeting John Shields, and then six years later, there's a sister station CKXM in Victoria. It's playing country, and lo and behold, I'm releasing my first album like less than a year into their first year on yep, air. I remember that. And it teed up nicely with them going, we got a local guy here and he's got a song out, and he's got, you know? <laughs> um, and it was one of many stations, obviously, you know, that that was playing my music at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, it's funny, hey? And it's a small world. You yeah, worked there. I did, yeah. was, those were great years in Victoria, as, as impoverished as I was, <laughs> um, working for an environmental organization full time and then going to Harpo's every chance I could to hear live music, you know? I was going to say, where did you, did you ever play at the Forge? Um, I did. I mean, later when it was called Legends. Oh yes. Right. I forgot it changed Legends. That's right. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With a band I played there, the sound wasn't very good, but I yeah. mean, I didn't, I didn't have much of a name. Like you said, as much as there was a radio station there, I mean, there is not a country station there anymore. And for no. practical reasons, there was not much of a following for country music there or, you know, what was passing, what would be passing for country music today. Yeah. But, um, you know, there, at the time, it, you know, that was, that was 25 years ago, mm-hmm. and it was a tough go for country music there. In fact, if you wanted to play country music, 
in the early 90s, you were playing a lot of legions and taverns and pubs. I was going to say, yeah. Yep. I mean, which is fine. Um, pretty much play what you want, you know, as long as you do a good job of it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and probably you're going to get paid more there actually doing that than you would have in a band playing mm-hmm. some rock bar. Yeah. But um, especially on the island, it was not, you know, if you're touring out into Alberta and the interior of B.C. and you got a band and you want to go, you know, across to Winnipeg or Regina. Sure, there were bars you could play with a band five to six nights a week. Right. Um, and you could make fairly decent money at the time. But that was a lot of, you know, just living off the road, which at that time I wasn't interested in because I just saw it as a distraction from focusing on original music, really. Right well, let's jump forward now uh, because you have a brand new single out. Let's talk about that. The title is? Yeah, You Can't Cry, You Can't Laugh. All right, tell me, tell me a little bit about this, because there's a little bit of humor to this one. Yeah, there is. Uh, every so often I have a song with some humor. Um, so prior to 2018 uh, and me winning this Breakout Artist Award, that's hanging on the wall, uh, I was, you know, on the road, and it felt like deja vu all over again, you know, to quote Yogi Berra. I was out there playing bars and clubs across Western Canada, now doing, you know, two and three nighters because gone were the days of the five and six. But after, after I went through cancer treatment, I came out, I had a lot of debt and I was working to pay that debt because I had this album that came out when I was sick, but I couldn't properly promote it, the sixth album. So I really had to deal with that and I did that as best I could for five years, making all my payments. But I was this is six five, six years out of being, you know, treated for cancer. And I wasn't moving forward in life. I got a family, I'm feeding them, I'm paying the mortgage, I'm doing whatever I can and it's all music that I'm making this income from. But I just felt like, man, it, you know, the the moments in life that make me laugh and smile are getting fewer and fewer here. And I'm not, I don't really want to be sick again. I I'm not saying that I'm going to get sick, but, uh, you know, nobody wants to go through that. I don't wish that on anyone. And, um, so it's a tough go yet. I'm still writing. And these are the songs that I was on this album, seven come 11. Many of them I wrote and I can relate to people just scraping by. I can, so relate to that because I did that for years. I did that before cancer, before my career took off, and lo and behold, I was doing it again after cancer. And that's where this song comes from. And it's odd that it should come out now when there's a high amount of unemployment and we're all juggling plates in the air to figure out, you know, if we can keep all our plates spinning still. And I think that it's a, it's a great song for the times. Um, I guess I pretty much told you why there. Sean, what advice would you give to somebody who's now just getting into the music industry, something you've learned over the last years that you've been doing this? To make sure you're being true to yourself, you know? Is this really what you love to do? And are you getting good feedback externally as well as from, you know, yourself uh, that you're on the right path? Because I think... You can tell when you're not happy about what you're doing with your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, only the individual can really know that. 
And if you want to pursue music, then you're going to be putting your feelers out there and you're going to be working hard to get your, if you're a writer, maybe you're not a writer though, but if you're a writer, singer, singer, songwriter, as it were, then you're going to be getting your music into some environments where people can hear it and go, you know, like I did a few of those talent shows, right? Talent on tape or talent and just let people make up their own mind. And then, I mean, this guy that's out there right now, uh, Jojo Mason, he's been out there for a couple of years now, of course. Yeah. Good guy. He was, yeah. So he was a karaoke singer. Yeah. Um, he was not a singer songwriter by nature, but he was a karaoke singer and he has a great voice. And so he was following his own, you know, and I'm sure the same could be said for people like Dallas Smith or anybody who's carved out a career. You know, you, you've got, you know, some kind of a musical drive and that's what it is. You're really driven. So I think you need to double check that you're driven to do this. And um, then if you are, I think, you know, you're doing fine. But if you're not really, and it's something, then realize it for what it is. It's it's a little hobby. It's kind of fun to sing. Um, but the industry is not becoming more generous of uh, newcomers, and it is not becoming a place with, that has fewer players. Um, it is not that. So you really have to want it as they say you know and that's what i would that's what i would say there is no magic there's no magic password you know whisper this to the right. gatekeeper and right. you right. shall go past you know <laughs> your song will be played if yeah, you yeah. just know the right word to say um and it's tough man i mean right now there's a homogenization of sound and there's uh there's a well of, of station groups there's a nationalization, a corporate entity that's taking hold the branding of this group and they're buying up all those stations and this group is buying up all those stations and now they're going to meet on Zoom weekly and decide what they're going to play in a consortium, uh, you know, and uh, I don't know how many chefs it takes to have in a kitchen, but right now it feels like there might be too many, right. you know? Right. No, and and the individuality I think is being lost. And I can't say that that to me I would I would not presume that to bring better things out of uh radio if you're going to become more homogenized. Um but you know, that's just me and I've always <laughs> been a little left to center. So, uh I think that it's a wonderful thing to have a unique voice and that goes for radio too. Um and and absolutely goes for for music you know so excellent funny. sean yeah. you are a man uh, as i said earlier with a great story and uh, congratulations on the new single where do people find you my friend on social media and on the world wide web yeah thanks well they can find me on uh, facebook um they can also look uh, dark horse spirit I'm all, i've always been a bit of a dark horse um so I'm Dark Horse Spirit on Facebook. You can find me. You can find me on Twitter, Dark Horse Spirit. Uh, and uh, SeanHogan.net has been my web domain for a couple of decades plus. So, yeah. And, of course, I'm on iTunes. You can hear these songs there. And uh, I appreciate I appreciate this opportunity to, uh, to talk with you, Tim. Excellent, man. Sean Hogan, thanks for hanging out on Inside Today's Country. Thanks for listening to Inside Today's Country with Tim Black. Don't forget to like and subscribe. This has been a TimBlackOnAir.com production.